Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Awesome. Gosh, what an amazing Sunday. If you were a dad here in the room, could you guys just stand up? Because we just want to give you guys a round of applause. See, we are thankful for you as dads. Today is Father's Day, and so as we, as we celebrate you today, um, I have a special message for you guys, but really for all of us. But I just want to just make, make mention of dads. You guys are, play a significant role in the life of the family. And so today, as we honor you, know that you have a, a significant place in our, in our family lives and in our hearts. See, we, we, we make this huge deal about Mother's Day, right? Every single year, it's like this big to-do, right? And so, you know, us, us men, we're always trying to, like, Run her, you know, rush around, get a get a gift for mom, and get her chocolates, and get her flowers, and breakfast in bed, and it's this this kind of all day affair of like getting up and putting on a collared shirt and going out to brunch, and you know, and then you got to take pictures after picture after picture, but then we get to Father's Day, and it's just kind of like a little less exciting, you know. It's like if you're if you if you gave your dad a, a high five today, you're already winning. And, uh, and so, you know, it's kind of funny to me that that's how Father's Day ends up kind of being every single, every single year. But dads, you, we actually owe you a lot more street cred than a lot of people give you, give you credit for. And so uh, I want you guys to know that you guys are leaders. Um, you guys are leaders in your family and in society and in your jobs and in the world. And, and that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, and we're going to talk more about what it means to be a leader and why people want to follow leaders. But here's a tough question for dads, but, but, but also for all of us in this room, is how effective are you at leading other people around you? How effective are you at leading those who are around you every single day? Uh, I don't know if you guys know Pat Mankey. Pat is here on the, on the front, uh, front row of the, of the sanctuary. I, I didn't tell her I was doing this. She might be a little embarrassed, but, but I love Pat. Pat is one of our senior adults, and she always keeps us on our toes, right? So sometimes I look down, and I just see that look that Pat gives you, and it's like, gosh, do I need to check my theology? You know, and so anyway, um, but anyway, Pat, every single Sunday, she always comes up to me, and she says, Kevin, and, and if you know Pat, this, that's, that's how she says it, Kevin? I'm like, yes, Pat? She's like, you need to spend more time with sheep. And I'm always like, okay. And she's always like, you're, you know, you're kind of a city kid. You, you really need to, you need to spend more time on like a sheep farm, right? And I'm always like, tell me more. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, I never quite know if, if Pat's like trying to be offensive to me uh, or, if, or I, I never quite, quite know. But anyway, but apparently you actually can learn a lot about, about sheep because Pat always says, if you want to learn about leadership, you need to spend time with sheep. Well, I did some research, and, and I think Pat actually might be right. Maybe we should spend more time with sheep, because there's actually some good leadership lessons to be learned. Um, I was actually reading this past week as I was looking this up, um, that in 2005, which seems like forever ago, like I was graduating from high school in 2005, seems like, you know, forever ago. But anyway, um, but in 2005, literally hundreds of sheep 
were, were jumping to their death in Turkey, right? Like one day the farmers are having breakfast and they look outside and there's one sheep that just kind of, you know, says to his buddies like, all right guys, I'm going for it and jumps off of the cliff, right? And he's like, bah. <laughs> and, uh, and, the other, and some of the other sheep are like, well, I guess we're going to go along too. And because sheep apparently just follow their leader. And so they just started one by one just jumping off of this cliff in Turkey. And so, of course, the first couple hundred died. They went about uh, some 15, 15 meters down, and, and, and they ended up dying and, and plunged to their death. Tragic story. The rest ended up living because they landed on a really nice, soft, like, bed of wool. But, like, thousands of sheep went off, uh, <laughs> went off the cliff, right? I don't mean to laugh. It really is very tragic. But, um, but I was thinking about this story, and I'm like, gosh, how dumb do you have to be to, like, jump off of a cliff, right? And can, can you imagine that the shepherds who are having breakfast, and they're sitting there, you know, having their eggs and having their toast, and they just look off, and there goes their sheep, one by one, right, following the leader off the, off the cliff. And they, you know, running out, they're like, no, 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 and they're like, bah, and, and, and then they're gone, right? Now, whose fault is it? Is it the sheep's fault? Is it the shepherd's fault? Like, I mean, you can't have that big of a brain if you're willing to jump off a cliff with your neighbor. But I imagine it's probably the shepherd's fault, right? That while they're sitting around having breakfast and kind of minding their own business and, and looking after themselves, indulging after their own, their own desires, their own appetites, literally, their sheep are just out there roaming free and doing what they please and then eventually just jumping off the cliff. And we look at culture, we look at society around us. Sometimes it kind of looks like that. Sometimes we as the church are sort of just doing our own thing while the rest of society is out there just sort of wandering around hoping to figure it out. And we're seeing society jump off the cliff, left and right. And so what, is we, what are we the leaders in society and culture today as the church, what are we doing to keep watch over the people around us? It brings uh, to, to mind Matthew 9, 36, where Jesus is going from village to village and he says, you know, that he felt compassion on the people around him because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So people around us in the world are like sheep without a shepherd. And will we, will we be like the shepherds that Jesus is calling us to be? You see, here's, here's the deal. You and I, we are leaders. Dads, you particularly are leaders in your family. You are a significant role in, in, in shaping the spiritual lives and the direction of the people around you. I was actually reading a statistic uh, not too long ago about dads, and apparently if dads don't regularly go to church, less than 2% of children will end up being regular churchgoers, and less than one-third will attend church infrequently at best. But if a dad is willing to take his family to church and to prior prioritize church and religion for his family, that number actually skyrockets to 70%. That 70% of children whose dad goes to church will end up becoming a regular churchgoer themselves. And that's significant because when dads prioritize religion and worship and church in their kids' and families' lives, their family will follow suit. We see it time and time again. Now, that doesn't mean that moms, that you're unimportant. It doesn't mean that you don't have a place in raising, raising your family. That is certainly not the case. But we see in the Old and the New Testament over and over that fathers play a significant role in the life of the family. They're modeling faith. They are teaching their children the ways of which to live, both in Christianity and just in, in, in society and culture and life. 
See, fathers have that, that role and they lead their families. And so today, dads, we're gonna look at a sermon that's going to remind us of how and why God's called us into significant positions of leadership. But if you're a mom here today, or maybe you're not a dad, or you're a single person, or you're a widow, this is not, the, this is not a, a permission slip for you to check out. It's not like, you know, now you get to snooze for the next, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, this is actually a time to check in, because this is a message for all of us. Because you see, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, he talks about us being in the household of God. We are all a part of the household of God. And so it's not just dads, it's really all of us. Though dads are the significant leader in the family, it's all of us. And as we come together, dads, moms, single people, widows, teenagers, whoever it is that you are today, I hope you know that God has a plan for your life right where you are. And so today we're going to look and see that God is calling us to first listen. First, listen. And then we're going to secondly look at how we should love. And then finally, thirdly, we're going to look at how we should live. We're going to listen we're going to love, and we're going to live. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 4. This is called the Shema. And uh, before we open up, we're going to pray. So will you pray with me this morning? Lord God Almighty, as we open up your text this morning, may we gratefully receive it. May we clearly understand it. And may we faithfully apply it to our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to look at Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to start in verse 4. Just one verse to kick us off. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I want you to stop there, right? I want you to think about this. This is uh, the words here of, of Moses that God is speaking in Deuteronomy. And if we were to, you know, pop out of a time machine and, and stand here today, it would sound like this. It would be Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu. Adonai. See, that word Shema, this is what this is called. This passage is called the Shema. The Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. When I was at Dallas Seminary, we had to take several years of Greek and Hebrew. Hebrew wasn't necessarily my favorite, uh, partly because I was taking it at the same time as Greek and uh, learning two languages at the same time, particularly ancient ones, is, is, is not really that easy, uh, nor incredibly enthusiastic. But uh, anyway, I was, look, I was reading Hebrew in every single Hebrews class in Hebrews 1, would start with a reading of the Shema, but we didn't have notes. We couldn't like, you know, we couldn't read it off our paper. It was just straight by memory. And so I will never forget that Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai. That's the only part I remember. Um, but we would then continue on for like verses and verses and verses. And sometimes I would just end up saying like watermelon, 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 because I didn't want people to think I wasn't saying it, but I would say it really lightly so that my neighbor wouldn't hear. But anyway, Shema, what does that word mean? It means listen. It means pay attention. This is important. It's this big, you know, sort of flashing lights. Listen, hear. We have something important to say. And why is this important? Why is Moses saying, hey, Israel, listen up? He's saying, Shema, hear that the Lord is one. In that time period, the, the, the Canaanites were sort of the, the, the major group that was surrounding the Israelites, and, and they were polytheistic. They were, they were often known to worship many gods, and so they would worship a god, and then they wouldn't really be fulfilled by that god, so they'd move on to the next god, and then the next god, and then the next god, and they had gods for everything. Trees, rain, you know, I don't know, birds, like all of it, right? And so as the Canaanites would follow multiple gods, Israel would often play follow the leader and were, was to come to that also. And so the, the Israelites were facing this idea that they were constantly worshiped these false gods, 
And this is, this is Moses telling his people, he's saying, hey, listen up. We follow one God, and that one God has a name, and his name is Yahweh. And that's the same God that we follow here today. He's the Lord that we pray to when we say God, and he's that God that reigns over the heavens and the earth and guides and directs our lives every day. There's one God, and we should recognize that, and we should proclaim that. Right? And I, I wonder what kind of gods are you proclaiming in your life? You see, many of us have lots of different gods. We have gods of our, of our money. We have gods of our, of our house and our car and our jobs and our families and our kids, grades, your athletic abilities on the sports field. We, we place all sorts of gods in a basket. But Moses is reminding us to shema, to listen. Remember that there's one God that guides and orders our life, and that's God. And so dads, this morning, how much attention are you placing on the one true ultimate God that reigns over all of the earth? Jesus is the only thing that matters. Will you listen to what the king of the universe has to say today? Because he's calling us to do something particular, and that's to love. That's where we come to the second part, love. Moses continues, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You see, the first step of Christian discipleship actually begins with you. It begins with you and your loving relationship with God the Father. It all starts with this idea of love. Loving God with all of your heart. Loving God with all of your soul. Loving God with all of your might. That's what this commandment is. But when we look at this, what's fascinating about this is that he's not saying follow the, the Ten Commandments, love the Ten Commandments and teach the Ten Commandments to your children. He's not saying, hey, here's a list of rules of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Teach that to your children. He says, do this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. We want to have a relationship with God. We have to realize that God is not a God of do's and don'ts. God is a God of love. And he's calling us to love the people around us. And here's why love is key to it all. You see, your actions in life are not motivated by your understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Your actions in life are not motivated by your understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Your actions in life are motivated by what you love. Because that's going to be what you follow. Uh, if you know me, that you know I love a couple things. I love coffee, I love Texas, and I love food, mostly food. Actually, kind of food in Texas, but also coffee. I, I anyway, so I love a lot of things, right? There's a lot of things I would say I love. If I were to ask you about what you love, I'm sure there'd be a whole different laundry list of things that you would say that you love, right? And I, I want you to think about that for a second, right? We often have things that we love. And think about when you go to a restaurant, right? I'm sure many of us here would say that food probably tops the list of some of the things that we love, probably too much. When we go to a restaurant, think about what we do, right? We sit down and we look at a menu and we're looking at all the options, right? And, and sometimes we know what we should order. We know what's healthy. We know what's good for us. But a lot of times we don't choose those things because we love other things, right? If you're like me, when I sit down, I, I look at the menu and I'm like, this superfood salad with kale and like beet juice sounds amazing. 
not. Like, it's, I mean, it's healthy, right? It's probably what I should be eating, right? Or with like the extra Brussels sprouts, but like not the actually good Brussels sprouts that has like, you know, balsamic vinegar and extra cheese and bacon, right? Like how many of you are having bacon here this morning? Okay, some, some of you, more of you should go enjoy that. Um, right, like that's the good Brussels sprouts, but like the, the healthy ones are the one that doesn't have bacon and cheese. I don't know why anybody would choose that option, but we, we, we see that and we're like, you know what, I should choose that, but we go for the double cheeseburger, right, and the fries, maybe even cheese fries, right, or tater tots or something along those lines, because that sounds way better than a, a superfood salad with kale and beets, right? I mean, come on, every day I would choose the cheeseburger. I would choose the red meat, right? Like, we know what we should want, but we end up choosing something else. Why? Because that's what we love. Because that's what we love, right? Because what we love motivates the direction of our life. This is also why I love carrot cake, because it's healthy and amazing. (laughs) Anyway, the Shema doesn't give us a list of do's and don'ts. Right? It's, it doesn't give us this list of like 86 things that you have to do to follow God. And there are plenty of churches all around the world that teach that. You go into church and they say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. Right? But that's not the kind of God that we follow. In Deuteronomy 6, God says, love me. Love me and let me love you back. And that's what it means to follow God. If you want to build a true love for God in your life, you have to start loving and allowing God to soak into your life and love you. Um, I'm from the South. And one thing we do really well in the South is we make sweet tea. When I moved to California and I like had iced tea at the restaurant, right? It's not sweet, right? What's the number one thing you need when you make tea? Sugar, right? That's, that's the key ingredient. But, uh, but when we make tea, you know, you, you put the tea bag in the water and then you put it on the stove and then you let it boil and, and then you take it off the stove. And what do you do after that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do add sugar. Absolutely. Yes. No one, no one ever remembers that. They always think I'm going to add it later. No, no, no. You got to add it when it's hot. So it melts. But anyway, no, uh, you let it steep. That's what I was trying, trying to go for is that we, that we let the tea steep. You kind of just let it sit there for a bit. You let it just sort of soak in. And that's sort of like our faith, right? We should be steeping in the word of God. We want to be able to love people. We want to go into the world and love others. We're going to need some help doing that. And the way that we do that is by constantly reminding ourselves of God's love for us through the scriptures, through his story, through his narrative, through, his, through what he's doing in the world. And where do we find that? We find it in the scriptures. And so dads, how much time are you steeping in the word of God in your life? And the question really goes for all of us, right? We live in a busy, fast-paced culture. I'm just as guilty of this too. Sometimes we, the day goes by and we're like, gosh, I just, I haven't got a chance to just pray or haven't got a chance to, to think about God today. And we have to remind ourselves to steep in the word of God. It's not just a one and done, like four minute, like, okay, now I'm good, check. Like, it's actually a, it's a rumination. It's a, is that a word? I don't, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I start saying things I'm like, what does that mean? We have to meditate on God, te- what God's teaching us, right? We have to let it soak in. That's what steeping is all about. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, disciple. Okay, I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, disciple. If you're in the, if you're in the chapel, like shot it over, you know, to the other table, disciple, right? I want you to think about disciple for a second. Okay, what is a disciple? It's a word that like we hear in the church. It's one of these kind of church words we throw around, but what is a disciple? When I first moved to Glendora, I uh, would drive around town and I was confused. This was, you know, like four years ago. And, and I was like, why is everyone in Glendora a Georgia fan. Like, I just, 
couldn't figure it out, right? Like, I'd been here like two days. And so, uh, so I'm like, one day I'm like, I saw it at like the cafes and I saw it on the back of cars and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I don't get that, right? So anyway, one day I was like, okay, there's got to be something more to this, right? And I, I just, I don't know. I didn't put two and two together. So I like asked somebody and I was like, why does everyone in Glendora, like Georgia? I was like, is there something, did someone like, you know, used to live here or something? And they were like, what? Like, you know, like probably looking at me like, are you an idiot? <laughs> like Glendora High School, you know, like you fool. And so, uh, so I'm like, oh, I get that. So anyway, every time I see the Glendora High School logo, I think of Georgia. But right, I'm sure many of you have a, like, have a team that you follow. Right? Some of you might have like an LA Rams like magnet on the back of your car. Or some of you might have went to the Dodger game last night and wore like your you know, Dodgers jersey. Um, and, I, and I love Clayton Kershaw, right? So I can, I can totally support that. All right, some of you, you know, you know, just do that so you can rub it into your angel friend fan, uh, fans. Uh, for angel fa- friends, wait, fans, friends, and face. Um, but like, we all kind of follow certain things, right? We all follow, maybe you're a Disney pass holder. You have that little sticker on the back of your car, like annual pass holder, right? Making the rest of us jealous. Maybe one day I'll get to Disney. If you have to figure that one out, right? Uh, maybe you're, uh, you, this week you went and bought a Toronto sweatshirt, right? Because you're a bandwagoner. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Like, it's okay to be a bandwagoner. People always hate on bandwagon kids, but I don't, I don't get that. You know, like when we look at the church, <laughs> that was essentially like a whole bandwagoning movement, right? Jesus picked a couple disciples and a lot of people just joined on. It was bandwagoning, right? I don't see a problem with that. But we all follow something. Right? Some of you might be, you know, Apple disciples. Some of you might be beach disciples. That's me. I, I don't like the mountains, right? Like, we, all di- we are disciples of different things. And if you have a kid here today, right, you're a disciple maker. If you're going to have a kid soon, you are about to become a disciple maker. And this is important for us dads, right? It's not a matter of, are you discipling? Because you already are. The question should be, what are you discipling them towards? That's the bigger question for us. So dads, are you discipling your kids in a way that honors God? And can we just have an honest conversation here for a second? Right? Dads, how do you act at home? Are you, you know, maybe a little bit aggressive with your wife? Do you easy to anger? Do you have kind of a hot temper? Are you spending time with your family? Or are you spending more time at work? Right? Because if those are kind of the behaviors that are starting to pop up in your life, you may be teaching your children, particularly your sons, that that is acceptable behavior. That's not okay, because it also teaches your daughters that that's what she can expect from men. And so men, we have to be careful about the way that we act, not only out in culture and life, but at home with our family, because the things that we do matter, and our kids are picking up on that, because they're watching. And so dads, it's a challenge to remember that your kids are watching, because you are already discipling them. Whether you know it or not, you are the person that they are looking to. And so pay attention to that. But ladies, you're not off the hook. Right? Some of you like to nag your husband. Right? There might be that like, one thing that you're always nagging your husband about. Right? Like, husbands, if you're getting like, you know, hit in the side right now, like, might, this might be happening. Right? Like, right? Ladies, sometimes we like to nag our husbands. Right? Um, I say that like I am a lady. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes we nag other people in our life, and, and we're just sort of like always on their case about things. Right? But ladies, that demasculates your husband in front of their children, right? It doesn't look to their strengths. It actually just exposes their weaknesses. And, and maybe we should relax that a bit. Let's focus on strengths because what we're doing is teaching our children that it's okay to like pester people and nag people and constantly look towards other people's weaknesses. And so let's maybe just relax and, 
care about others, look toward people's strengths, and to stir up in not only ourselves, but the other people around us an affection for what God is doing. And when we begin to stir up the waters of what God is doing, we are going to bubble up out of love. So let us listen. We have one God that we follow in heaven who has a plan and a path and a purpose for our life here today, just like he has for millions of years. And secondly, he's calling us to love not only our family, but everyone around us. And thirdly, that creates a way for us to live. Creates a way for us to live. But luckily, there's kind of a to-do list right here. We don't even have to go very far. So here's our takeaways for today. Let's continue reading. Knowing that we teach them diligently to your children. Talk of the ways of God when you sit in your house, when you walk down the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Right? Moses is giving us some very, very just tangible, easy takeaways, things that we can do to teach our children, right? How many of you just kind of sat around at home this week and did nothing? Not very many of us, right? That one might need to be repurposed for 2019. Uh, but I want you to think about when you are at home with your family and the small amount of time that you are at home, right? How much time are you spending talking about God with your family, with your spouse, and with your kids, how much time are you spending talking about God? Because it's a very natural place for you to have conversations about faith. But too often, we just sort of put that on the Sunday, right? We talk about God here at real life. We talk about God, you know, when we're like at small group. But the rest of the time, we just sort of do our own thing. What if we took nuggets of what we do on Sunday and just sprinkled them throughout the week and we had conversations at home about things of faith? Or it says, talk about, talk about God when you walk down the way. Right, this one kind of cracks me up. When was the last time you walked down the way? Right? We don't, uh, unless we're walking the dog, probably not many of us are walking down the sidewalk. So you know, here in our suburban life in LA, it's probably more like when you're driving in your car and trying to you know, get around traffic. Right? We may talk about God. How many of you have shuttled you know, kids somewhere, somewhere this week? Some of you? How many of you shuttled kids this week? Some of you. Right? Some of you probably feel like an Uber driver because it's summertime and your kids are like, I gotta go to a pool party or I gotta go to like Nancy's house. Like, it's probably not Nancy, it's probably like Shasha. I don't know. Anyway, so, right? Sometimes in the summertime it's just like I'm driving, you know, my kids from place to place to place. Like, you feel like an Uber driver that's like not getting paid. Like, you're paying to like drive your kids around. And that can be frustrating and annoying in the business of life. But what if you took those moments? And you begin to have that time in the car with your children and just ask them about life. Ask them about what God's up to. And just sprinkle those nuggets of faith into their life. Because when we begin to talk about God in our homes, and when we're walking or driving or just going about our everyday life, people begin to pick up that it's something that's important to us, that it's a big part of our life. And that's exactly what you can do with your kids or with your coworkers or with your family or friends just little pieces of nuggets of information that just say, you know what, God's important to me, what about you? Because we need to be asking our kids and the people in our life what's in their heart. We need to ask our kids what's in your heart. Because what's in our heart comes out of our mouth and ruminates in our life. When we steep in God's love relationship, it changes us. And finally, we come to the end where it says, you shall bind these signs as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets on your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You see, every time I, I look down at my wrist, I see this real-life wristband that we've had since, like, the beginning. It's really old. It's probably going to fall off eventually, and I'm going to be very, very sad. But this is always a reminder of me that I like Jesus, right? People sometimes ask me, like, what is this, you know? Particularly when I'm overseas, sometimes people will go, Jesus? 
It's just a natural conversation starter. But for me, it's a reminder. And we have to have that. Like Moses says, sometimes you have to put it like right here. The, the people of Israel, they would actually tie the Shema into a box and tie it to the fronts of their, of their heads, their foreheads. So they would walk around and never forget that they follow a God who changes the world and changes them. And that's the God we follow. And so what maybe you can do this week? What's one thing you could do to remind yourself of the God you follow? Dads, when you begin to do that, you begin to change your children's life. This is how we'll close today as we invite the band to come back up. I was, uh, one of my favorite uh, philosophers is a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. Everyone say Kierkegaard. Right, Soren Kierkegaard. I love that name. Kind of wish my name was like Kevin Kierkegaard. (laughs) Danish philosopher, and he talked about a fire that broke out in a town one day, a small town. And as the fire began to break out, people from the village, they began to come out with, with, with water pistols. They began to, you know, shoot the fire. And, 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 and of course, the fire chief, you know, he was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're here to help, right? And, and, and the village is just coming out like crazy. They're fire pistols. They're little water pistols, and they're trying to put out the fire. You, know, you got kids, you got adults, and they're like, we're here to help. And they're just, they're just going at the fire. But of course, they're doing nothing because they're using a water pistol, and eventually the fire chief says, you know, you guys are, this is enough. Like, I appreciate the help, but you guys need to step aside and let us do our job. He says, get out of here. You're only hindering us from doing what needs to be done. We need firemen who are ready to give what it takes to go into the furnace, furnacing fire and put it out. He says, this is not a place for token contributions. A lot of us are, in our life, treating religion and church and Christianity and God in heaven sort of like a token contribution. And this can be true of a, of a lot of us as dads because it's sort of an afterthought to what we're doing in our life. And so I just want to remind us because I, I feel so strongly that when we put Jesus at the center, he begins to change the way that we live. And so I know many of you do that and I know many of you feel that, but sometimes life just gets in the way. And so, dads, may that be a challenge for, for you this week to put God at the center and to not just make religion and your faith a token contribution, but to make it everything. Because when we actually put down the water pistol and pick up something a little bit heftier, <laughs> the lady at Walmart was like, I think you need a bigger gun. And I was like, that's right, because I'm from Texas. And uh, <laughs> I do like this, though. I, I was going to put water in it and squirt you guys, but I knew Royce would probably freak out, you know, that I would, like, damage the electronics. But we begin to take out something a little bit more substantial. Not only is it more effective, but it's a lot more fun. And so this week, may you follow the Lord God in heaven. May you listen. Know that there's one God who has a plan for you. May you love other people around you because God first loved you. And then may you live a life that reminds people every day, wherever you go, about that love for for them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.